0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work,
1: work, 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 work,
0: work, work, work. You didn't
1: have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a bitch. But don't be afraid.
0: <laughs> That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. woo Working not
1: And welcome to Hour 2 of a Weekend Fantasy Update. You got Joe Galina, you got Tony Cicada, Pete Corsadori producing our show. Antonio, as we uh, ended our first hour, we will—you uh, brought up a good point that uh, baseball kind of mimics, like uh, I guess, American society where you have the the uh, top feeders, right, and you have a bunch of bottom feeders. I was just looking at some of the uh, the teams that, uh, I guess what do we want to call them the bottom feeders i mean I'm trying to figure out who's c- close to uh to turning it around i mean obviously not this year but in terms of like who who the next uh, team could be uh, i mean it's not going to be the Mar- marlins are going to be bad for a while right you, yeah yeah uh, cincinnati uh I, I, th- I think they're a while away
2: right see the problem with cincinnati mhm is they have some decent offensive play, but there's not a single pitcher. Right. And, and that
1: ballpark, too,
2: makes it tough. Yeah, the Baltimore Orioles to have a similar a, issue with the pitching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have a great fan base. They have an owner with a lot of money. Like, there's no excuse right. for that. Right. Padres? Uh, They signed Eric Hosmer. I don't know what they would think. I have no idea what they're thinking. (laughs) I mean, they're not close. Hmm.
1: And they should be because they've been bad for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rangers, uh, I don't see them uh, turning it around anytime soon. Kansas City has has all but given up uh, for the next several
2: years. They've been outscored by 39 runs this season. Who's that, the Rangers? The, Marlins, oh, the, the Rangers, see, that's an interesting team. So the 7-14, and 14, they got a lot of young players there that I don't think turned out to be what we thought they were going to be, right? Jerickson Profile right. was supposed to be a star. What we, we Yes, and
1: everyone and, gets yeah. excited when this guy gets at-bats, and, and it's like, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. we've seen this so show already.
2: The <laughs> Shields never turned into anything, and I don't know if he uh, – you know, more people because of a fantasy and the stolen base assets. We, and, you know, mm-hmm, the fantasy mm-hmm. community overrates him more than maybe the baseball people. But he never right. turned into anything. Joey Gallo, you know, I don't know. He is what he is. He's a 200 he hitter. He what he is. I don't if that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there. And to be honest, no Mama Zara has not turned out to be what people think he was going to be. It's early, mm-hmm. but I think the expectations maybe were a little lofty.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to
2: be a a, a little while. Uh, we talked about it where's Cal- the pitching in Texas, right? I mean, Cole. I don't think Cole Hammels is anything close to what he used to be.
1: No, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, uh, I mean, offensively too. This kid uh, Ronald Guzman that they called up. I mean, he's got a bit of pop. Could be their first baseman for 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 a little while, but uh, I don't really see it. How about Tampa Bay? They always seem to – Tampa Bay, actually, when you look at it, they have some decent pictures uh, that they could build a team around. You know? I think we lost Tony, Pete.
0: Hello, Joe. Sorry about that. I'm uh, hey, all over the place. Yeah, right. We did lose Tony for a second. We'll get him right back. I apologize for that. Um, so, Joe, yeah, right. what's going on? Yes, sir. Not much. You tell me. Uh, nothing. NHL. How's it
1: going uh, with the uh, NHL playoffs? You, you you keep it up with that? Yeah, you're so... you a big NHL
0: fan? i a huge NHL fan, you know that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of things going on. The Colorado Avalanche beat the Predators last night 2-1 to one, to keep it alive for them. They go back to Colorado, I believe it's tomorrow. Uh, they have a chance to tie mm-hmm. up the series three games to three. One of the amazing stories... Uh, I think, is the Vegas Golden Knights sweeping the L.A. Kings. Low-scoring games. It was a goalies duel between Jonathan Quick and Marc-Andre Fleury. They sweep the Kings. The Sharks sweep the Ducks. So the two teams with the brooms are going to be facing each other in the second round. I have the Vegas Golden Knights beating the Sharks there.
1: How long have the Vegas Golden Knights been a franchise?
0: Uh, This is the first year. They're an expansion team, brand new um so this is their first year and they're yeah in the beginning of the year i actually on the on the uh, fancy producers back when we were on the air i said watch this Uh team go to the playoffs because they have a lot of talent uh during the expansion Mm -hmm. draft rules there was only a certain number of people that could uh be protected so um you know that's how um that's how they got a bunch of their talent george McPhee is a great gm so yeah uh you know, I think it's a, a great thing for them. I think it's the first time in sports for a franchise to sweep their first playoff series or something like that in sports alone. So it's a great story.
1: Any chance? How far do you think that they could go in the uh, in the playoffs?
0: I, I really think they make it to the conference finals. I think that they beat uh, the San Jose Sharks. The Predators are going to—if if Colorado mm-hmm. beats the Predators, it's going to be— Nuts. I really don't see that happening. But let's say Colorado beats the Predators. It's going to be Winnipeg versus Vegas. If the Predators get in, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking Predators are going to beat Winnipeg just because of their uh, um, veterans on that team and they have the experience in the playoffs, especially the Stanley Cup final. And I think it will be Predators Mm -hmm. versus Vegas or Winnipeg versus Vegas, and that's going to be an interesting conference final for the West. Uh, I don't see Vegas going to the Cup, though.
1: Hmm. That would be totally
2: amazing.
0: For oh them yeah, to go yeah, to complete, the Cup. Completely amazing. In their
1: First year of existence, yes. Yeah. So Tony, you back?
2: Back and better than ever. You know the crazy thing about Vegas going to the Cup is that um, a lot of people, when they first became a franchise, they went and they bought tickets uh, for Vegas winning the Stanley Cup. You know, just to have, and they were like mm-hmm. at four hundred to one. It would be like right. the worst thing ever for uh, Las Vegas Very if they cool. ever win the Cup. Yeah, interesting, interesting.
1: Well, uh, thank you for that little uh, tidbit there, uh, Pete. And uh, so, uh, Not a problem. Tony, we were talking about some. You know, we were talking about some of the, the teams and that, that are kind of like bottom feeders right now in, in Major League Baseball, and uh, who we think might be the next team that could turn it around. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Tampa Bay. They've got a pretty good core of young pitchers.
2: Yeah, people don't realize. Uh, I think this team's a lot better than people. I uh, think this Tampa team like mm-hmm. I think that they they come around 500 this year and like you said their pitching staff is going to be good. I mean mm-hmm. Snell's finally turned to the pitcher that a lot of people think. Farry is yep. a decent pitcher. Uh they mm-hmm. have a couple guys in the minor league system ready to go. I think mm-hmm. uh yeah, the Rays uh, they find a way to do it and it's always with pitching. Yeah, they do a good job
1: of uh, developing young starting pitching. I mean, you look at David Price, you forget that he was developed by the Rays' uh, farm system, right? I think, uh, Tony, did I say something to insult you? I think he's gone again. I lost my friend Tony again.
0: Again, come on! What's going on here? Yeah. You know, we're trying to do a live show He's here. A- I don't understand what what what's going on. But you know what? Listen, it's not Tony's fault. I'm sure it's just some technical difficulties. Um, but mm-hmm. Joe, weekend fantasy update yes, here on the on the on the network. We did a little hockey. You guys are doing a little baseball. Mm-hmm. I have a question for mm-hmm. you. In all sports, because we talked about this on yes. fantasy sports today, where okay. does the um, responsibility lie because you were talking about in baseball about Aaron Boone. Where is the responsibility lie with a manager or a coach when you have the not, when you have players really not doing their best? Uh, you know, I always say, and I, I, we probably talked about this on the program too. Um, we always say that look, there should be more accountability on the players, but where do we draw the line? Because now we're looking at Aaron Boone. He, like you said, he was brought into a situation where. You know, Joe Girardi left. They made it to the playoffs. They kind of went kind of deep in it, and now we're working with some new people here, um, and he's going to be kind of thrown to the wolves if um, if he doesn't do well. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, look, you know, I mean, I say that it, the responsibility should be a little bit more on, on the players than... I mean, look, the, the managers and coaches should... Uh, Take a bit of responsibility, as you know, in terms of how their players are are playing, in terms of how they use them, how they maneuver them in and out of the lineups and in and out of the uh, pitching rotations. Uh, but but Tony, you, did, did Pete just asked, "Tony, are you there?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you heard the the question Pete was uh, asking. Uh, how much responsibility does? Or Should we put on a coach or manager in terms of getting the most out of their players? I mean, is it more on the players being, let's say, intrinsically motivated? <laughs> or or do we put uh, some of the blame on... Uh, how much of the blame should be put on, on the management and coaching and how much should be uh, on the player?
2: I'll tell you what, I look at it like this. I look at it that in some cases... The, the mm-hmm. coach should always get the most out of his players, Like, that's what that's his job. But got to be honest. Some of these teams have no chance, and that's on the front office. That's on the ownership. Some of these mm-hmm. teams have no chance to compete, and mm-hmm. that is basically on the general manager or ownership dictating uh, how much money they can spend. So I think a lot of times the manager is a guy that's held hostage in the middle um, of teams that have no chance, and I I would throw the Cincinnati Reds in there. Cincinnati Reds with that pitching staff to think that they could compete um, is huge. And you fired a manager for losing when I don't think anything could have uh, helped that team. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what about a guy like uh, Don Mattingly and Pete? You could even join in too. Like Don Mattingly uh, you know, is in a situation where the Marlins just got rid of you know Giancarlo Stanton, D Gordon. Uh, Christian Yelich. I mean, top-notch players. I mean, I mean, it, he's in a situation where it, it, there's no way for him uh, to 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 manage this team in terms of, to a winning record. No, I,
2: I think it, what changes here is your scope as a manager. In a Mollin situation, I don't think you should be judged by wins and losses. You should be it should be uh, judged on player development at this point. Mm-hmm. Because you have no chance to win, but if you mm-hmm. see guys like Brinson get better yeah. in July and August, mm-hmm. that's the key. If all of a sudden you start to see some pitchers emerge, that's the key. So I think what mm-hmm. your goal is changes from wins and losses to player development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of Brinson, man, he is really slumping.
1: Uh, in sixty-six at bats, batting one fifty-two. Um, so, I mean, what what do you do with him? I mean, do you send him down to the minor leagues? Uh, or basically, you, you have a minor league roster at the major league level. I mean, do you just let him play it out, and and like you say, hopefully, maybe by July, August, or whatnot, he puts it together. I mean, what do you think the best uh, thing should happen here?
2: I think he's in. I think he's in trouble. That he might end up having to to go back and put it together. Mm-hmm. But hit a home run. I think they're going to be patient. I think they're going to give him till probably Memorial Day to show that he could do mm-hmm. something. And right. then then you get to kind of figure out at 23 years of age, is it mm-hmm. worth keeping him up and struggling? And is that hindering his development? Or do you set him down the mind and try to build his confidence there? Um, I think you mm-hmm. can make the case for going both ways. I think I would give him to the May at the end of May and, and try to figure out if this guy can have the ability to play here. Mm-hmm. When I think of him, it makes me think also
1: a little bit of uh, Byron Buxton, outfielder for the, for the uh, Twins, yeah. who's now on the DL because of migraines. This is the second player this year, <laughs> to my knowledge, to go on the DL because of migraines. You have uh, the Yankee third baseman um, who just, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, they traded for him from the Diamondbacks. He's on the DL. Brandon Drury. <laughs> yes, Brandon Drury. And with migraines, and, uh, everything looks dreary to him. There you go. And uh, Byron Buxton is a guy, uh, you know, that for the first couple of years of his uh, major league career, really struggled at the plate. You know, batted uh, two oh nine in 2015, 225 in 2016. Finally, looked like he had put uh, it together last year, with uh, 16 home runs, 29 stolen bases, two fifty three batting average. What kept him uh, more in the lineup and with the big league club was his, his big time glove. But uh, he struggled uh, at the beginning of this year through 41 at-bats, batting 195, and now all of a sudden he has a, a migraine problem. So y- you wonder, I mean, <laughs> what's the story with this guy? I mean, as, as the pressure got to him where it, it, you know, he's having such a trouble uh, performing that it's, it's kind of manifested into a situation where he just has migraines and can't perform?
2: Yeah, Crazy. That, Crazy. I, I mean that's that that's one of the things that goes on unknown. But what I was shocked is how many people were drafting him this year early. I considered based on a little life form from him in the second half of last season, and people, yeah. oh, this is finally the uh, Buxton's going to come out, and they jumped all over him and they were picking him way too early.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think. Part of it, too, was the 29 stolen bases. I mean, everyone was talking about – everyone's trying to find stolen bases this year. So that 29 stolen base number really stuck out of people, and I think that's part of what happened.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. You know, it's crazy. I think that we are at a stage where we figure stolen bases are harder (laughs) to come by, and that we're drafting some of these guys a little too early. Uh, Because uh, another guy like Gordon, um, D. Gordon was a guy I thought go too early too, Mm -hmm. and because people picking up these one categories.
1: Well, what I liked about D. Gordon though was that yeah, he's big time with the stolen bases, but. Multi-position eligibility this year. Always hits for average as well. Not like a Billy Hamilton, right? Who gives you stolen bases and nothing else. We'll be back with more Weekend Fantasy Update. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. And uh, before we left, we were talking a little Byron Buxton, and we started talking about D. Gordon. Hey, look at Byron Buxton, uh, you know, talking about how uh, fantasy players were going nuts over him uh preseason in terms of drafts. Uh, the 29 stolen bases, I, I'm sure got everyone's attention too, but when you look at what he did in the second half, batted 300 in the second half yeah. uh, last year, so I guess that also got people's attention as well, but uh, yeah, in terms of uh, D. Gordon that you mentioned, like I said, I mean, what I like about him is the is the uh, the fact that now that he's playing the outfield, dual position eligibility, I mean, I mean he's a guy that gives you that 290-300 batting average, run scored, and uh, so far having a very nice season for the Mariners.
2: See, I like the Seattle Mariners batting a lot. I just think they don't have any pitching. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty good team uh, from an offensive standpoint, but no pitching whatsoever. Hey, uh, Taiwan Walker. Uh, oh. It's 2018
1: season's over, right? Uh, yeah. little Tommy John surgery, unfortunately. So uh, out this year, probably a portion of next year as well. We had uh, Jim McLennan on uh Earlier uh, a few weeks back, uh, talking about the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks uh, getting off to a nice start, and uh, just uh, 13 and six. Uh, a lot of attention was brought up uh, regarding the uh, introduction of the Umador into their uh, into their balls. And uh, so far, uh, it's only three weeks into the season, but uh, team uh, batting uh, 221. 302 on-base percentage and uh, 395 slugging. Compare it to last year, and again, I know it's only a small sample size this year. Last year, uh, they batted 254, 329 on-base percentage, and uh, 50 points higher in their slugging percentage, 445. But uh, let's take a look at uh, the Diamondbacks' starting pitching staff. Uh, now that uh, Walker's out there, uh, Zach Greinke, right? I mean, in his prime. His fastball was in the mid-90s this season and averaging, you know, high 80s, uh, just about 90. So he's lost about four miles per hour off his fastball from his prime, right? Uh, 5.29 ERA, XFIP is under three. Uh, I mean, are you worried about this guy? Uh, I mean, uh, Sierra, another ERA estimator, puts him at 2.57. So, uh, I mean... What are we thinking about uh, Zach Greinke? Is he somebody that maybe, uh, with that five point two nine ERA, you could approach uh, somebody in your league? Maybe try to buy him at a bit of a discount.
2: Yeah, I, I would go ahead and, and give it a shot. I mean, his caper nine is at eight point six three, so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take that. Um, his um ground ball rate is at thirty eight percent. I think that's the problem there because generally he's forty three throughout his uh that's the average of his career. Last year was forty six. Mm-hmm. The year before that he was forty six. Um, so I think he's just missing, and that yeah, absolutely. If, if someone wants to get him away on the cheap, I would go ahead and take a shot on him.
1: Mhm. Yeah, uh, another uh Diamondbacks pitcher who uh, was highly sought after in uh, preseason drafts because of his strikeout ability. He also had a very, very nice season overall last year. It was Robbie Ray. But uh, his uh, velocity is off a bit this season as well. Uh, looks like he's relying on that uh, slider and curve a bit more, laying off the fastball, which is a yeah. little curious, I guess. Uh, uh, strikeout rate still uh, elite, but uh, he's walking uh, almost six batters per nine. Um,
2: yes. Really, that's been an issue for him throughout his whole professional career. Yep, this is a guy I have on a bunch of teams, too. Um, this is a killer. Um, you mentioned some of the some of the statistics there as far as pitch selection and where he's going. Um, he looks like he has no clue whatsoever what he's doing out there. Uh, the 92-mile-an-hour the fastball um, is a, a drop in velocity, a significant drop. Uh, then they mm-hmm. decided to use the slider more and the curveball more. Um, these is something that I don't know, but we got a better game from his last time out. So maybe it's so just a slow little... start and that we're going to see mm-hmm. him get in the shape and he's going to be ready in rearing to go because he has been brutal. The last time yeah. out, he went six innings. He had nine strikeouts. He allowed one home run and two earned runs. Um, so hopefully that's where we're at with Mr. Robbie Ray, actually, his last um, stop before that, he had allowed three earned runs, and he had six strikeouts, but he had three walks in every game he's pitched this season. At least three. Yeah. One guy had five. Yeah, that's concerning. And uh, 50% hard
1: hit rate against, the league average is 33, so that's another concerning uh a number uh, ERA estimators, like you know the Sierras, the Phipps, the X Fips. They all, all three of them have a, at three point seven ERA, or, or so. So maybe brighter days are ahead.
2: Uh, who are you more optimistic uh, about, uh, a Greinke or a Robbie Ray? I think from a fantasy perspective, Robbie Ray because of the strikeouts mm-hmm. that you can get from him, and I uh, think he has strong upside. Uh, mm-hmm. But from a baseball perspective, I would uh, go with Zach Greinke. Right.
1: And uh, Patrick Corbin's a guy that... uh, He's looking like Cy Young. Right? Yeah, everyone's talking about him. You're right. He's looking like Cy Young. Uh, 3-0, 1.65 ERA, uh, 0.7 whip. Uh, I mean, it's only 27.1 innings, but so far been real impressive. Uh, I mean... People forget this guy. It looked like he was on his way. Uh, Twenty thirteen had a fourteen and eight record, three point four one ERA. Then he had the Tommy John surgery. Uh, ground ball pitcher, right? Fifty six percent line drive rate, wheeled down, uh, way down. And uh, you know, the more line drives that a pitcher gives up, uh, the more hits and runs are scored off of him. Uh, past three seasons, soft hit rate against him has increased, which is good, right? You want more soft hits against you, and hard hit rate has gone down. Uh, 17.9% swinging strike rate, unsustainable, <laughs> right? But uh,
2: a sl- a Slider's been his out pitch, right? Yeah, that's the key. That's the key. you got to have one pitch that dominates, uh, mm-hmm. but it's working for him, so... Um, you know what's crazy is that when you see some of these guys, I think we overcomplicate a lot of times. Guys have to throw four or three pitches. You see some of these pitches, you know, throwing two pitches, three pitches at most, and then they're successful. I think sometimes they overcomplicate it.
1: Right. I mean, he was a, a closer, so uh, it's not like he was pitching, you know, seven or eight innings or You're five right. or six or whatever. But Mariano Rivera, right? He got throw you a one, pitch. A one pitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just throw well. Right, right. So, I mean, so uh, I mean, do you believe in this guy? I mean, obviously there's going to be a little regression, right? He's not going to pitch to a sub-2 ERA, but uh, do you believe uh, in a Patrick Corbin? Is so, he someone, I mean, if you try to trade for him now, you're going to be trading for yeah. him at his peak. But, uh, I mean, do you, do you think he could sustain some of the success?
2: No. I think that it's one of these situations that, you can't trade for them. If you have them, though, you—I would shop them around. I'd be shopping them around, and going from there. I think it's a statistical anomaly. Like a, it's short sample size. He's got off to a hot start. I would—I would get rid of him. I would let him move. Mhm. All right. Uh, what about Zach Godley? Godley uh,
1: had a nice season last year. Uh, having another nice season this uh, this year, a sixty one percent ground ball rate, uh, two and one 3.0 ERA, eighteen innings pitched. Another guy uh, with a low line drive rate against, uh, showing you that uh, he could be successful without the big time velocity. Right, uh, lifetime twelve point five percent swinging
2: strikeout rate. Yeah, he was a tenth round pick. Um, he didn't have all the physical attributes and the hundred mile an hour fastball or anything like that, uh, but he's coming to Major League Baseball and he's pitched well. Uh, pitched well last year with three point three seven ERA, K per nine of nine point five eight. Uh, this year mm-hmm. it's down around eight, but his ERA is at 3.00. I watched uh, his last game. His last game got beat up. Uh, I think it was the Dodgers. And. He gets strikeouts. He has, he's throwing the ball where he wants to. Yeah, his last game only lasted four innings. Uh, he allowed five run runs to the Dodgers, six walks in that game. And he's not a guy that walks people in general. He only had one walk prior to that in the two games combined. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like this kid. I think that he's going to end up like Robbie Ray and have about a three-and-a-half ERA uh, because he just, I I don't think the strikeout totals are going to be there for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Um what about the uh Arizona bullpen? Uh Boxberger Brad Boxberger uh getting it done so far. Six saves to start the season. He has cost up two, though I think.
2: Mhm. So
1: but how patient do you think that the uh, Diamondbacks could be with him?
2: Well, I think if they I mean, keep winning. Mhm. Like that 13 and 6 record. Uh, I think that helps. I think they mm-hmm. like what they got going on in that bullpen. So I think he's got. a yeah. I think he's got a leash. He's got a long leash. Like mm-hmm. I said, he but he got a long leash. But he can't go too crazy with right. uh, these blown saves. Yeah,
1: kind of like I, I kind of feel that the Diamondbacks like what they have. That's kind of what you're intimating, you know. Yeah. Uh, keep him, keep him. Boxberger as the closer, as long as, like you he said, he, you know, he doesn't blow too many saves. But Bradley, no. great in his role. I mean, he, he has a save, but you know, four fourteen Ks and twelve innings pitched, right? Uh, you know, he's got seven holds, which is uh, you know, it, it's an important, it's an important bridge to end the games, right? And uh, Yoshihisha uh, Hirano, right? Uh, yeah. He's pitching well in his. I mean, he's not striking out too many guys, 6.48K per nine, but uh, he's getting the job done. I mean, I, I think See, I like what they're getting out of that bullpen.
2: Here's what happens is people don't understand it sometimes. If you take Archie Bradley and you put him a closer's role, you're effectively might be worsening yourself at two positions. If Archie Bradley mm-hmm. doesn't have that closer mentality, if it exists, what people say with the final three outs, and he doesn't mm-hmm. pitch well, well, you also ruined your seventh and eighth. I think by taking a guy that was dominating out. Right. Yeah, it's a good point.
1: Uh, continue with the Diamondbacks. Uh, You know, we we noticed, obviously, uh, that uh, Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt, right, he had been a perennial, like, top four pick in preseason drafts this year. He kind of fell off a little bit. Still a first-round guy, but uh, uh, many fantasy players were a little worried about the uh, introduction of that humidor that I alluded to earlier and kind of pushed him down to, you know, seven or eighth overall. Uh, So far, he's got the four home runs, uh, but uh, the splits are... Interesting. I mean, we're only three weeks into the season, but batting uh, 138 at home with uh, a 419 on base percentage, which is phenomenal, right? But uh, just a 241 slugging percentage away, batting 324, still a good on base percentage of 375, but uh, 730 slugging. Uh, and, and he's really, he's, he's always been a better hitter against lefties, but this year it's really uh, accentuated, right? Uh, batting 167 versus righties so far.
2: Yeah, these are things I think that we um, have to chuck up the sample size and Yeah, that, it's only 3 weeks, yeah. Yeah, we'll see a little correction there and go from that mm-hmm. cuz these numbers are too drastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh I agree with you. I mean, 3 weeks is not enough. I mean, uh, to say, but it is interesting. It is a uh you know, like I said, he's always had problems against uh righties, but uh, the one sixty seven. And then you look through his first six games, batted 0-59 since then he's batting two eighty eight. So uh don't give up on on Paul Goldschmidt. Don't, don't give you up. Any... You can never give up. <laughs> you making any moves this week, uh, waiver wire uh, wise, Tony and any league? I haven't looked Anybody I haven't that you're looked focusing yet.
2: on? Yeah, I haven't looked yet. I gotta I gotta put something together after uh the show. I, I like to go through methodically my team mm-hmm. and, and find a, a way to put it. How about yourself? I have, um, have you looked at any of your rosters and how are you going about it? You know, the, the teams that are, the, the leagues I play in, um, 15 teamers.
1: So not much out there. I mean, uh, Tyler O'Neill is a guy that just called uh, got called up uh, for the Cardinals. Got some pop to his bat, But the question is, is he going to get enough at-bats to make it worthwhile to, uh, to make the uh, the fab commitment is worth picking him up
2: no you know it's Nothing. crazy when, it's crazy when you say that um, mm. when you, when you say you're putting a commitment together yeah. Um are you a type of guy say <laughs> are you the type of guy that like i i stick with my guys too long like i right. i know that like i'm a guy mm. that will stay with my guys i trust the research i do and i hang in mm. there with them and sometimes right. too long
1: Mm-hmm. Uh I, I catch myself doing that. I try that uh, as I'm evolving as a fantasy player over the years. That uh, the the two things that I'm trying to do, especially this season, is uh, on the waiver wire. If there's somebody that I want, like uh, the kid Joey Lucchese from uh, the Padres, yep. when I went for him a couple of years a couple of weeks ago, I made. You know, very very strong fab bids to make sure that I got him You know, and and I'm also trying to do what you just mentioned in terms of, you know. Not sticking with players too long. Like, uh, you know, Matt Davidson was a superstar for the first five days of the season, right? But he slumped since. I mean, I own him in, in in one league, and it might be time to
2: uh, say goodbye. Really? See, I have him. I, I I'm not ready to give up. Now mm-hmm. he's a guy. And when I say I'm not really to give up, I could see put him on my bench, but yeah. if you, I, I don't want to cut him. Right. It depends on who's out there, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I've had to, to, to. I mean, I had a situation where I had, you know, Will Myers, Jed Jerko, I had Yelich, uh, all on my team, all in the DL. and They all came off this week, so uh, I have an opportunity where now I have to, you know, make some decisions here and. Uh, uh, Davidson might be the guy uh
2: to go. Uh back in the day, that, uh, Davidson was the yeah. third pick in the draft. The third pick in the draft? Yeah, Major League
1: Baseball Draft. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. Overall, yeah, okay.
2: not yeah, not yeah. not your friend's <laughs> draft. Yeah, no, it right, right, wasn't right. there. That would be pretty that would be pretty significant. <laughs> yeah, it would. Trevor Cahill getting a little uh
1: pressed this week too. Uh, just pitch one start, right? Yeah. But uh, in the past, he's shown a propensity for uh,
2: some high strikeout numbers. I'll tell you what, I would take a shot on Trevor Cahill. Now, this is the crazy thing about him. He's another guy uh, that Mm -hmm. reinvented himself because he did not have the strikeout numbers early in his career, Um, and then he's just put it together over the last couple of years. And he's pitched really, really well. Uh, We're looking at a guy uh, 9.32 in 2017. Um, This year he's at 10.29. That's just that one start. Um, But if you go back to 2015, he was at 7.48. And he was at 8.54 with the Diamondbacks six point two to design, seven point zero two. Like he really got it later in his career, the whole strikeout situation. Yeah. It's probably out there on the wave of wire for you, pitching in a
1: nice pitchers ballpark in Oakland. So yeah, take a I look take a at a shot. it. We'll be Yeah, why not? Always depends who you get to drop though, right? Weekend That's fantasy true. update, we'll be right back.
2: 844- 84 FNTSY. That's 844 843 6879 The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day.
1: And we're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You'll see to weekend fantasy update. Uh-huh. Got Joe Gagliano, got Tony Cicada, Pete Cossidori producing our show, and want to remind that Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single entry contests only. Fantasy Factor always has fun contests going on. This year, Fantasy Factor is running a one hundred thousand dollar home run derby. Simply sign up and enter. Just go to www.fantasyfactor.com. That's fantasyfactor.com. So, uh, Tony, wrestling in the news this week. Uh, the passing of uh, the living legend, uh, Bruno San Martino,
2: at 82 yeah. years old. Yeah. Longest reign in WWE history, eight years champion. You know, this made me think that WWEs are really screwing up. They have this Roman Reigns, right? Yep. Nobody likes, them, but they don't have it. Very many villains. Right. Why don't they just make Reigns the champion for like ten years, and people could go yeah. every night being pissed off at Reigns and hoping their guy beats them? See, in this society
1: today, where uh, people are looking for instant gratification, and uh, you know, with with the internet, in terms of Things changing very quickly. I don't know if a ten-year reign would be uh, optimal, but I think they probably could get better use out of using Roman Reigns. And, and talking about Bruno, so like I, I was watching you know, s- some some videos on my phone in terms of uh, yeah, I kind of caught the the very end of Bruno's career. You know, like in the mid '80s when he came back to try to push his son. You know. But before that, like, I kind of lost lost on some of the stuff. And But Larry Zabisco and him had a, a feud for a while. And what ended up happening was Zabisco came up with this idea because he was, you know, according to the storyline, he was Bruno San Martino's protege and they were friends. So the whole storyline that Zabisco came up with was that, you know, he, he would turn on his mentor. And uh, Bruno was wildly popular. So it helped Zabisco, because he turned into the the villain, but you know he was a popular as a as a babyface wrestler but he was immensely popular as the guy who smashed a uh, chair over the head of Bruno San martino so yeah I mean the storylines really have a lot to do with uh with the popularity of, uh, of 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 wrestling itself. I mean, think about when Hulk Hogan, right, when he turned to the NWO. That was like one of the biggest stories in wrestling in the, the late 90s, right, early oh, 2000s? Oh, absolutely. A little Hulkster. Yeah. But uh, we upset, uh, changing gears here, about uh, the uh, John Cena announcing that uh, he and Nikki Bella had broken
2: off their... Engagement. Well, we were talking about this. Do you think that your 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 relationship could survive after <laughs> suvi- signing a seventy five page prenuptial agreement? And um, they were never married, but they had a seventy five. John Cena gave her a seventy five page yeah. uh, agreement, and one of it was if they broke up, she had to immediately move her stuff out of his house what's your thoughts like if you were going to get married? What would your wife say if you gave her, yeah, you know, this marriage thing sounded like a good (laughs) idea, but read this over and sign it first and uh, let me know. I don't think my wife would be very happy. Uh, 75 pages,
1: uh, you need a lawyer to really look that over with a (laughs) fine-tooth comb, right? I mean, but uh, how, when we talk immediately, we're talking, what, 24 hours she would have to move out her stuff? Yeah, I mean, he seems like a strange guy, anyway. Yeah, you know, like one one night I couldn't sleep, and I think they do a show. Uh, it's probably old now, but I think it might be on either the E Network or whatnot. Where it's one of these reality shows where they follow them yeah, around. Yeah, total and, divas. Uh, yeah, exactly right. He just seemed like a strange guy. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Well, in terms uh, of rumors,
2: like, <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he's always had his way with the Diva Division. And, um,
1: Meaning what, he's uh, had relations with several? Yeah, divas? yeah, he likes to test really? them out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Take him out for a drive, and,
2: huh? Yeah, and he's, uh, he, he's that guy, and uh, he's uh, very friendly with them. So uh, I, I kind of look at this thing as, uh, but I was thinking back to it. So do you think that this thing was a hoax at WrestleMania, that they were never really going to... Um, Get married?
1: You know, s- since wrestling is all pre-scripted anyway, it's, it's a very good possibility, don't you think?
2: Yeah. So, here's the thing. It was a 75-page uh, cohabitation agreement that they had. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's the uh, the name for it, a cohabitation
1: agreement. W- would it change once they got married? I mean, was this only a, a cohabitation agreement... While they were a couple outside of being married, or was this something that was going to go into effect once the the wedding took place? Do we know? Uh, That's a great question. That's a great question. I don't have the answer because maybe once they got married, there was another seventy-five pages (laughs) that she went
2: a little further. (laughs) Now, very possible. That's. that's interesting that uh the 75 page it, it it's interesting it didn't get leaked out until they broke up. Mm-hmm. But we need to respect their privacy though, right? I think. Do you think that that's the key? <laughs> I think that I think they put that out there, right? His sister uh her sister uh um uh, which is the Are other twins half of or something. The- yeah. yeah, the twins, Yeah, uh-huh. uh, she she balked at the idea and said she would never sign that contract. Uh, okay. But a relationship expert says it's not a bad idea. And our guy, Robert Littell, was the guy that uh, uh, put okay. it out there. He was the guy that broke yeah. the story. Robert Littell oh. uh, talks about her. Uh, he says, John Cena had Nikki Bella sign a 75-page contract stating if she moved into his house... She had to leave and take her shit immediately if he broke up with her. The day has come. Uh-huh.
1: So how did, about that? Did
2: she sign it? Can can we confirm that
1: she did sign it? Or... Yeah. Was did. that the reason why they broke up? Because she wouldn't
2: sign it? No, 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 no. no. Yeah, no. Uh-huh. I guess this was given to her a couple of years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He even had house rules that he made her sign uh, mm. for stuff when she was in the house. Like how... how How to go about it. Mm -hmm. That's a kind of crazy situation
1: there. Yeah. Wanted to keep her under his thumb. Interesting guy, that John Cena, I guess. Uh, All right. Well, why don't we uh, change and switch gears? Uh, A little less than a week left before the NFL draft. And, uh, been a lot of coverage, uh, across many channels and, uh, you were involved in the network's, uh, mock draft, which was great. Uh, I think you can still listen to it, uh, on demand as well, right? On demand. You can get it
2: on YouTube as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. definitely check that out. And I think we're going to be having a, we'll be having a show here, um, on YouTube and on the, the night of the draft. mm mm-hmm.
1: That makes sense. So, uh, obviously, I mean, you know, Sam Donald, the, all, the, we know about all the big names and whatnot in terms of you know, quarterbacks and, and running backs, Saquon Barkley. Uh, so, I mean, no, a guy that uh, doesn't get talked about as much, but he is spoken about, is a, a Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State uh quarterback. Pretty good completion uh, rate uh, for his career, 63.2. Last season, 65%. Uh, pretty accurate passer, 92 quarterbacks, 26 interceptions. I mean, where do you put him in terms of, I mean, I mean, you did a great thing uh, last show in terms of uh, bringing up all the uh, uh, recent first-round selections of quarterbacks and, and what's happened to them. I mean, uh, you know, could a team... Forego, uh, you know, I mean, they're not going to. I mean, if I'm not saying that the, a Mason Rudolph should be picked with a top five pick, but if you miss out on the first few, you know, the Darnolds, the Josh uh, Allens, and whatnot, I mean, how do you feel about a Mason Rudolph?
2: So he 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 seems like he'll be the sixth quarterback taken, and some people mm-hmm. believe it'll be in the first round. Others believe it'll be in the second round. And mm-hmm. the problem I have there is that we've never really had any of these big 12 quarterbacks come out and be very good. And secondly, none from Oklahoma State, and it seems like more of a system thing. But Mm -hmm. people like him, and he's getting an opportunity to play. Um, I I just don't want to jump on something like that early in the draft. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I mean, in terms of... You know, I, I was looking at some of the uh, the quarterbacks, like in the past, like that have been taken. I mean, obviously the one that sticks out to you is a Tom Brady who was picked number 199. He <laughs> was the good. compensatory pick of the sixth round. I mean, I mean, and like I said, you brought up a, a really good uh, point that more often than not, a lot of these first round quarterback picks, you know, don't pan out. I mean, uh, part of that, I think, Yeah, part of that, I mean, no matter which quarterback gets picked, right? I mean, it's up to the coaching staff and the team to devise, you know, like some kind of a system uh, that's going to take advantage of their
2: strengths, right? Yeah, I was actually talking about this today is that um, with Mike Blewett is that the only time you look at the opposite, like – like you gotta worry about like the Cleveland Browns, whoever they take, this you know, it's been how many years since someone's developed and done anything there? Like it's been such a train wreck. The only mm-hmm. guy that's overcome a poor organization to me in a while is Matt Stafford. He took a Detroit franchise that was always a laughing stock and turned them mm-hmm. into a pretty competitive team and he's played well. But a lot of it ends up way in the system you're end up in and who you're playing right. for. Because mm-hmm. Damn, I mean, I I just think that you have to be in a a coaching staff that's going to put out uh, the best play forward and put you in a spot that you can excel. Right. And even I know we're
1: just talking about quarterbacks, but running backs, right? Saquon Barkley, widely regarded as the best running back uh, in this draft. But, you know, Joe Mixon was a guy – who uh, was looked upon as like one of the best running backs of last year's draft, and then you know he gets drafted by the Bengals, who yeah. don't use him you know early in the season, and then he's playing by behind a, a terrible offensive line, and, and that affected his his overall performance. I mean, so let's say if the Giants takes Saquon Quan Barkley, but don't do anything to improve that offensive line of theirs, I mean, you know, isn't that part of the whole
2: picture? It is part of the whole picture, but uh, the truth is that they've already done something to improve the offensive line, right? They go and grab yeah uh, alignment from the New England Patriots. Right. Uh, I'm right. sure they'll, they'll draft some more uh, there. So I don't think they're going to pick Barkley. I think that they're going to end up picking a lineman. It wouldn't shock me if they moved down a couple picks out of that second pick, um, uh-huh. but I think that the, the Barkley talk is not going to happen. Really? Yeah. Where do you see him going? Good question. I could see him going to mm-hmm. four to Cleveland, and mm-hmm. I think he could go. I think Denver's going to have an interesting decision. Denver's going to get a decision. I, gonna, I think they're going get a lot to fall on their lap. I think Denver at five is going to have Josh Rosen fall on his lap, who a lot of people think is the best quarterback. They could have Saquon Barkley there at five. And they're gonna have a whole bunch of trade offers.
1: You think Barkley could fall th- that far down to
2: number five? Yeah, yeah. I think the Giants pick an offensive lineman at two. Mm-hmm. I think one three uh one and three uh quarterbacks. I think Cleveland could pick Chubb then at four. And last year they had a. they 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 also picked a lineman. They could have two bookend defensive end pass rushers. Uh, that would make that defense very tough to play against uh, there. And then Barkley's still on the board.
1: So you think the Giants could go for an offensive line by like a, a Quentin Nelson like, uh, yeah. from Notre Dame? Yep. How much do you think that an improved offensive line would uh, would help out uh, Eli? I mean, oh, I think do, you, a lot. do you believe in Eli? I mean, do you think he's well, got a couple of years yeah, left? I, you mean, know what? I, was... I, I watch him.
2: You know, I've changed my mind on him. Uh huh. I thought he was done. I thought he was done. But if you go back and you look at the, the statistics, right? He he's a he's a decent quarterback when Beckham plays. Mm-hmm. Like they they put up numbers. He's not great, but he's he's in the top fifteen. Right. Without I've Beckham. I, I, I mean, last year, yeah, I, with just, that you know, offensive line and wide receivers yeah. that came from the grocery store, he wasn't yeah. good. He was terrible. But how do you blame right. on, on him? It's not like anyone else came in and did anything with that offense. Right. No, I, I, I'm an Eli fan. I'm a Giants
1: fan. But, yeah, you're right, last year. Uh, terrible uh, wide receivers. But the year before yeah. as well, I mean, he's he's made some, some – I mean – you watch him week after week. He does make some questionable throws. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he did that yeah. when they were winning Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, where do you think uh, uh, Des Br- – I mean, speaking since we're talking about the Giants and you brought up Beckham, uh, there was the video that came out this week where Odell Beckham uh, Jr. is working out with Des Bryan. The yes. Giants uh, cut uh, Brandon Marshall. Uh, what are we thinking there?
2: I think there's a reasonable chance that he goes with the New York Giants. And I actually did some research yesterday on Des Bryant. Des Bryant it is the 55th out of the 56 rated wide receivers to have separation by next-gen stats in football. So that's terrible, right? Yes. But he's the number three receiver with catches when in contact with a defender. And so basically what that tells me is that Dak Prescott didn't throw in the ball enough. That when he's covered, he was making plays. He was the third best in the entire league. Now, I don't think he can play the outside wide receiver anymore. And I think that they should move him to slot. And I think he would have a shot and a new position. Uh, but mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard's a pretty good slot receiver. So I, I kind of... Yes, he is. not yeah. sure if that's a fit. But I think the Giants at least give him a look. Because you know what? If that... If he's friends with Odell Beckham and that's one way to keep Odell happy, maybe do that too. All right. All right. Uh how much uh
1: do you think uh that he's got left?
2: I think if you, I think if you're trying to use him as an outside wide receiver where he's played the last couple of years, uh I I kinda limit what you give uh I don't think he has much left. If you try to move him to a wide receiver, I think in the slot, get him one-on-one with the and sometimes with the safety. Um, I think he could play a couple of years.
1: Are you one of these guys that uh, adds credence to the motivation factor? You know, to just to uh, to play in the same division as the Cowboys and show that you, you know you still got it? Or I mean, I know some people don't don't believe that you are what you are.
2: He's already got motivation. He's actually working out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. All right, Yeah.
1: All right, we'll be back with more Weekend Fantasy Update, hour number three coming up. You got Tony Ciccati, you got Joe Galina, Pete Considori, but we'll be right back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.